You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day for Monday, July 25th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, that's J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. And if you want to see whatever I'm wearing, uh, nothing great for this Monday episode, despite how much we're going to be talking about today, but still you can check that out on YouTube, Locked On Padres. And also, you might be familiar with some of my uh, baseball-related work at Just Baseball, which is a great website that you all should check out. But on today's show, everybody, on today's show, man, do we have a lot to discuss. So I'm going to try my best to not be super long about it, but we're going to be recapping this weekend series against the Mets that the Padres did end up winning, and that should not be forgotten that they won despite the result of the last game on Sunday on primetime on ESPN with Joe Musgrove despite that. We'll talk about that game first and then talk about some other headlines and what have you from the weekend, including me going to my first ever game. That's right. I was at one of the games. How cool is that, ladies and gentlemen? And then we'll end with a roast of Mr. Madison Bumgarner. Let's talk about yesterday's game. The Padres lost this one, unfortunately, obviously. Duh. Uh, they lost this game 8-5 to five against the Mets. It was a game in which Joe Musgrove started, so you thought, oh, man, high likelihood for a sweep. Unfortunately, that did not happen here. Musgrove wasn't quite super money, but I don't think he was particularly bad. Five and a third innings, four earned runs on five hits two walks, and four Ks. Kind of unraveled, as you can see by the five and a thirds. It is the first time this year that Musgrove hasn't gone at least six innings, uh, with the exception of, obviously, the All-Star game and stuff like that. And my mistake, he went only five innings against the Rockies. So, is there any suggestion that that means that Musgrove is regressing? No, it does not. It simply means that he might not be, you know, elite S-tier top five pitcher in the league. Doesn't matter. He's still one of the best players in the league, and it would not surprise me if he starts going on a run against maybe some lesser competition eventually when they face a little bit lesser quality teams because the Mets are very good. They're not a team that is impatient. They know how to pick their pitches correctly, and that was evidence as this game as the big hit came for Pete Alonso, a big home run. There was also a Lindor double. Uh, so, you know, that's just what happens. But I also blame the offense a little bit. I am someone who subscribes to the idea that if a pitcher is pitching pretty well, but then it gets to a point where you're still not scoring and the innings maybe go a little bit too quickly, that's what happens. Not that the Padres were awful with runners in scoring position this series. They had some really, really big hits. wasn't their best showing in that case, but nonetheless, that's just what happens sometimes. And then for the Mets, uh, despite the five runs for the Padres, uh, Carlos Carrasco was pretty money for the most part. Uh, only one strikeout for him, two walks, but... Bottom line, didn't give up any runs over five innings. And then the rest of the Mets' bullpen kind of took care of things. Aside from uh, Mr. Joely uh, Rodriguez, who kind of made things a little bit exciting uh, in the top of the ninth inning in which the Padres scored, I believe, what was it, four runs that they got? Including a run from the ground ball gremlin after a ground out. So that's just the perfect way to kind of end it. And then Austin Ola striking out. Yeah, like I said, I mean, there's not too much to talk about with this game. The only thing I would say is, yes, it is unfortunate that the Padres 
could not close out with this with a sweep with their best starter on the mound. But again, this is one of the best teams in baseball, and this is just how the sport works. I'm not looking too deeply into it. It was still overall a very productive series. And, you know, yes, Manny Machado made a little bit of an error. Yes, it's fun to make fun of the ground ball gremlin who must not be named. But nonetheless, uh, still, it was fine, right? And I think that the big thing that they were talking about on ESPN, of course, is the Juan Soto trade rumors, right? That's what everybody's been talking about all around baseball. And it makes sense. We got some updates on that, right? In The Athletic from Ken Rosenthal, he talked about everything. Shohei Otani, teams have been calling in about. I don't know if that necessarily means that they're trading him or that he's on the block, but they're calling in. And, you know, Ken Rosenthal in his article on The Athletic wrote about basically how the Padres are kind of the front runners and that they can go in a ton of different directions. And I'm reading from the article right now. Um, they have spoken with the Cubs about different concepts for the last 12 months, including one last summer that would have sent their first baseman and a top prospect to Chicago for an unspecified return. Considering that both Cubs catcher Wilson Contreras and left fielder Ian Happ are fits for the Padres, it would not be surprising if those talks revived in some form. Then he goes on to mention Padres farm system, which is ranked 15th by the athletic and then the 21st best, uh, Farm System by Baseball America. I personally disagree a little bit with those rankings. I think that there's a lot of guys in their system that can go up, like your Jackson Merrills, like your James Woods and Victor Acosta, guys like that, right? I think that there's there's improvement for this system. So I think it's a little bit deeper than the Athletic and Baseball America are giving it credit for, but that's just personally me. So I say all this to say, once again, to emphasize my belief that I really do think that a Juan Soto trade, theoretically, would just be so much for this team. It would put them over the luxury tax. Then you have to worry about all these things. And it's just a, it would be a really awkwardly constructed roster, even if it's filled with a lot of great talent. Because it's a lot of great talent that the Padres have traded for, and not necessarily a lot of homegrown stuff. Tatis, he's kind of basically a homegrown guy, but even he was acquired in a trade with the Chicago White Sox, obviously, famously. So I would worry about that. Um, and then in terms of the Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ thing, yes, those are obviously great fits. But I personally am always reluctant to buy on catchers. Um, first of all, because Wilson Contreras is 30 years old and, you know, the age is getting up there with him. Not in a giant way, but he's getting older. And then in terms of just the overall, I'm okay right now personally with the Jorge Alfaro, Austin Nola kind of combo, at least for right now. If they did make an improvement, I would love that. But The biggest thing is Wilson Contreras is a free agent after this year. So how much would you be giving up? That means you want to go all in right now. I'm not totally sure if the Padres want to go in that direction. Ian Happ's great. Very underrated player. Would definitely be a great fit. But personally, what makes that the money deal is if you're somehow able to dump off the first baseman's contract. I would take giving up less prospects maybe for Wilson Contreras or maybe even just for Ian Happ if you could somehow move over the first baseman who must not be named in that deal. I'd personally take that over the Soto deal because I think that the Soto deal would cost a whole lot of prospect depth that would kill the team in terms of its abilities to make trades down the road. And on top of that, it's just, uh, it's, it's just, it's messy, right? It's messy. I just think it might cost a little bit too much uh, when you take it all into account, but that's just me. That's just me. This could all change. I'd still be hyped. If Mr. Juan Soto goes to the San Diego Padres, how can you not be? How can you not be? I'm just saying, I think you saw evidence by some of the things that were going on in this game that there's still a lot of areas for the Padres to improve. Uh, and I think that this is not a team that, and baseball in general is not a sport conducive to just trading for the one superstar.
But maybe I'm an idiot. I could be. I could be. I'm wearing a NOLA hat right now, after all. Spoiler alert for anybody who's not on the YouTube yet. But before we continue on, guys, and talk about the game that I went to, uh, which was really fun, and talk about my experience there at the old City Field, let me talk to you about something that is certainly not baseball-y, but it's important, right? It's actually somewhat connected to me personally because I received a gift, and the gift was tickets to this game, uh, this Padres game on Saturday. It was great. But maybe you're not a sports nut like me or a fool who collects action figures and video games as their big gift. Maybe you want to get that person something special, a, a really high price, just luxurious, extravagant, radiant sort of gift. Let me tell you guys, the folks at BlueNile.com, they can help you. There are two parts to this business, ladies and gentlemen, wedding jewelry and fine jewelry. So wedding is kind of like your engagement rings and bands, you know, maybe you're, you have a fiance, which is still like very satisfyingly cool word to say by the way sorry i i do personally my favorite words are dope and surreptitiously fun fact about your boy but um and then fine jewelry is like you know diamond jewelry cocktail rings necklaces just the, not necessarily the big engagement pieces but nonetheless really cool stuff they have you uh kind of down with all that stuff guys it's really really cool and they have all these tools that help you kind of shape the size of the the rings or whatever jewelry item you're getting uh the shape right they have this the setting styles and just all these little things you know what i mean they're handcrafted items guys they know what they're doing over here at blue nile so go check them out and going on now is the blue nile anniversary sale that's right guys save up to 40 percent on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25 percent on engagement ring settings Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. As always, guys, thank you for making Lockdown Padres your first listen every day. Free and available on all platforms. Let's talk about Saturday's game. Uh, not much, not too much actually happened in Saturday's game in terms of the action, right? It was a 2-1 win for the Padres. Got a little bit exciting at the end as Taylor Rogers gave up a run. His ERA now sitting at 3.86 on the year. He's been a little bit weird, and I kind of went to bat for him a few episodes ago saying I really do believe in sticking with this guy that I think he could be an effective closer, but a little bit proven wrong there. But bigger story is Blake Snell. Uh, five innings in this game, no earned runs, four hits, two walks, five Ks. Don't love that it was only five innings, but nonetheless, he did look okay. And I do think that I want to stress okay because I thought that the Mets players were grinding into a bunch of double plays. They were like one for 19 at one point with runners in scoring position heading into that game over their last you know 19 situations. They just had not been hitting well. So while I think Snell looked okay, I do think that the Mets had a couple moments where it was like, you guys just aren't, you're either getting unlucky or you're just not hitting well at the right time with some grounders from Lindor that I got to see and all that stuff. But the big hit, obviously, in this game coming from Manny Machado, a two-run home run that ends up being the difference maker. Chris Bassett, for most of this game, he was carrying a no-hitter, by the way should be mentioned uh, for a lot of this game. And even still his final line was incredible despite the home run giving up uh, to Manny Machado. Ooh, hold up, hold up. Oof, that was, that was rough. Had too much root beer. Um, Chris Bassett in this game, he goes seven innings, two earned runs, no walks and 11 Ks. And I'm wondering to myself like, Oh man, like 
is my first ever time going to a Padres game, like, is this what I'm going to do? I'm going to jinx them into oblivion? But I was with my homie. Shout out my guy, Drew. He might be listening. Who knows? I was with him. Uh, I won the Just Baseball Fantasy League, which is, of course, the site that I write for. Go check it out. We, I won the Fantasy Football League last year. And as a prize, one of the site's co-founders, who you might be familiar with on Twitter, uh, Padres fans too, when he tweeted out the promotion of S2A Ruiz, uh, that I won two tickets for the Mets Padres game. Because I live in Jersey, for those who don't know, the old tri-state area, uh, the old East Coast. I'm an East Coast elitist, some would say. And I went to the Padres game. So it was really fun. It was very hot uh, getting there. The actual stadium itself was great, though. I've been to City Field before, um, actually more times than any stadium recently, for sure. And it's really great. I love the atmosphere. I love the vibes. Food was pretty good. The pastrami sandwich is very good on like the, the third baseline side of the stadium. That was really, really good. Had some ice cream and stuff. It was a great time, right? Uh, just always really nice to get out there, go to the ballpark. It had been a while for me. Um, not just for a city field, but in general baseball games. And it was really fun seeing the Manny home run. Uh, first of all, I got to say, man, just a thick king, first of all, which I think everyone agrees with Manny. But I have been wondering lately why the Manny Machado kind of MVP campaign seems to die off, have died off a little bit. And that's because I think that the nerds have been taking over, right? With Paul Goldschmidt, who, don't get me wrong, is having a great season. He looked like he was a guy that was on his way out, right? He looked like a guy who wasn't going to be a superstar anymore, but just be a pretty solid player. You know what I mean? A little bit what's going on with the Mets shortstop right now, Francisco Lindor, where he looks like he's just going to be a pretty good player, but not a superstar. Um, And instead, he's put up MVP quality numbers. He's hitting home runs all the time. He's still obviously a pretty good defender over at first base. But overall, my thing on this is, look, let's let's just be real. Let's be honest. Let's be real. As of right now, if I could just pull up the thing, Paul Goldschmidt is currently, let's see, he's tied for, or no, he's third in war, and then Manny Machado is seventh at 4.4. You've got guys like Dansby Swanson, Freddie Freeman ahead of him. Freddie Freeman immediately discounted, of course, should be. He's on the Dodgers. I do not care. This is like awarding Kevin Durant the MVP when he was playing on the, the Lakers. I just don't care about that. And then Arenado and Goldschmidt, don't get me wrong, they've been great, but I still think that Manny could easily still win this. And I think everyone that's saying it's a clear runaway for Paul Goldschmidt, I just think that that's crazy because you consider uh, Machado's value to the team in the sense of they needed him. Like, they needed him to be a superstar. I don't know where this team is without him, right? And the Cardinals, don't get me wrong, they've had some issues too, right? Tommy Edmond started off hot, but he's regressed. And then they've had Dylan Carlson being injured, and they've had Tyler O'Neill being injured and ineffective, right? They've had a lot of players on the team. Yadier Molina is, at least, I don't want to say washed. He's a Puerto Rican king, but he's, you know, past his prime, certainly, as a batter, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I think that that is at least somewhat fair, you know, considering that they don't have a full shortstop. But me personally, I'm looking at this and saying this team had to be Manny Machado. If Machado's F4 is a little bit lower than Paul Goldschmidt by like 0.4, then I really do believe that because of that aforementioned thing about how much they needed him, I do believe I'd take that into account and vote Manny, especially with the defense at third base. But I have to admit they've been good. But that's just me. I could be wrong, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know. Uh, Either way, though, it's going to be fun to see what happens there. Um, and Lord knows the, the Aaron judge in the American league versus Shohei Otani race is going to be an absolute blast to watch because personally, 
I, I, I don't know how you can't give it to Otani again. Aaron Judge has been obviously a beast and is like he's up there, but I'm just like the guys doing both over there. We'll we'll see, we'll see, because Aaron Judge really has been the story of American League dominance. It feels like. <sighs> But anyway, yeah, guys, the game was a lot of fun. Shouts to any of the Padres fans. I, It's probably unlikely that any of you who are at the game uh, listen to this podcast. But if you do and you're at the game on Saturday, shouts to you. Uh, it was cool just seeing every now and then, like every Padres fan, not that there were too many, obviously, we're at City Field for the Mets. Not that there were too many. Almost every single one was like, go Pods! Like they would just shout at me every time when me and my friend were walking around. It was awesome. Um I tweeted a couple things while we were there. It was the only thing that stunk about my day is aside from the commute and the not the train itself and the subway system, because actually they got AC there, which is great. But it was the in-between parts when you're waiting for the sub, but also the Black Panther Wakanda uh, Forever trailer dropped like while we're at the game. So I couldn't watch it. I'm just like, God God dang it. (laughs) This is unfortunate. And by the way, that trailer got me emotional, bro best trailer i've seen not to be hyperbolic not to be that nerd fanboy who just says best ever best ever gives all the engagement or whatever but that trailer man it's one of their best that they've put out in a while last thing worth mentioning on this game is that trent grisham got hurt at one point and so did there was a weird look luke voigt situation as well straight up i couldn't see the trent grisham play i didn't see it because we had gotten up to go get food um and it's funny because you can ask my friend drew i was literally like all right after the padres score this inning um, let's go get our food. And he's like, dude, they're they're not going to score. And then Manny hit the home run. So you uh, thank your boy for that. But uh, I missed the Trent Grisham situation. I know he got taken out of the game and then he was brought back in like it was, he was okay. But that's really scary. Um, yes, the Padres have a little bit more outfield depth, it feels, with Estuary Ruiz, who unfortunately, by the way, got caught stealing in Sunday's game, which we finished talked about before. Did Lindor push him off the bag? I think he was slick with it. I think it was one of those things where the guy was already heading a little bit, so he didn't push him, but he probably like moved his foot a little bit, right? I think you could maybe make that argument, but I think it's like a slick play. Not like a dirty play, but kind of like, oh, look, he moved off. I don't know. I could be wrong. Though. Um, but yeah, so I missed all that. I missed the Voight thing. I just couldn't find any video of it, but hey, nothing to report right here. Hopefully everybody stays safe. The Padres obviously have had some scary... Um, injury-related things happen for them this year. And they haven't gone the total bad way. So keep our fingers crossed and knock your tables and wood and what have you. We've got one more game to talk about, guys. We've got one more game to talk about. But before we talk about that game, ladies and gentlemen, I need to talk to you about something that I'm surprised my friend, who I went to the game with, didn't do. And that's betting. He usually likes to bet games when he goes to them. It just adds an extra flavor. It adds an extra flair to the whole uh, situation. And guys, you know what place he would go to if he was going to make that bet? BetOnline.net, guys. That's right. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Ladies and gentlemen, find reviews. You can find esports stuff, betting scores, podcasts, all sorts of stuff. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're in the final stretch. Let's close out strong. Friday's game. Headed up to my friend's place, because I stayed over before we headed to the Cité to catch the game. 
And I'm not going to lie. This is easily, to me, the most exciting thing of the weekend. And that is because the Padres won the game 4-1. They were able to silence the New York Mets. In a start that featured Max Scherzer, who was pretty good, by the way. Six innings, two earned runs on five hits, eight Ks. He's been awesome for the Mets this year. I had been a little, not critical of the signing, but I, I was personally like, hey, in fairness, Max Scherzer's getting up there in age, right? And it's kind of unprecedented what he's doing, but he's been able to do it. But it didn't matter because you Darvish was even better in this game, guys. Seven innings, one earned run on four hits, one walk, nine Ks. His ERA at a very sneaky 3.28 and a whip below one. I said a few weeks ago, right? I've talked about his decline in strikeout rate, 23, 22, 23% all year that's down dramatically from even the lowest strikeout percentages of his career right he says the lowest is like a 27 percent uh in the season right and i'm kind of at the point though where it's like well he's been in control and he's getting deeper into games yes he had the san francisco blow up right he's had his his games where he hasn't been excellent but he's had that thing that musgrove has had which is just steady consistency and for this team that's big even in the game that against the Dodgers, right? Yeah, he gave up five runs, but no walks in that game and 10 Ks. That's a big thing with him. It's control and just precision and lasting longer into games, even if he's not missing bats at the way that we're used to from you, Darvish. And against this Mets lineup that has a lot of high on base percentage guys from Mark Hanna to Brandon Nimmo to Pete Alonso to a degree to maybe not Lindor. He hasn't had the best on base percentage, but all those type of guys, right? They've got Luis Guillaume, right? Like, they have a lot of great on-base percentage players. Starling Marte. And that's a patient, steady lineup that can really get at you if you're not careful. And he worked around it. And it's really awesome to see, like I said, with the 9Ks and only one walk. Just awesome, awesome stuff from you, Darvish. It's exciting. So, while, yes, I know Padres fans, they might be saying, oh, my gosh, we're all, we don't know what we're getting from Blake Snell. And Mackenzie Gore is back in the bullpen, Right? Well, if you Darvish is going to stay this consistent, and if they can get a little bit more from Sean Mania, who I think has another gear, you just got to just have one awesome game, my man. It's been a while since you've had, like, an awesome game. And then you've got Joe Musgrove, and if Mike Clevenger looks the way he looked in his last start, so I can't wait to see how he performs um, in his next start, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, should be coming up on Tuesday against the Tigers. Let me actually just check that really, really quickly. I don't I don't see the, the start tomorrow, but... For today, it is Sean Mania. So that's a really big development for the Padres. Said a few weeks ago, I was wondering, is this a situation where last year, maybe it wasn't sticky stuff, but it was just he couldn't hold up that long into the year. And maybe he didn't adjust, right? It was hard for pitchers last year to adjust to the sticky stuff situation. I don't think that makes or breaks entire players, apparently unless you're James Karinjak of the Cleveland Guardians. But for the most part, I think it just means you're not untouchable. This season, man, you Darvish, so quietly good. So shouts to you Darvish. Just, honestly, I, I really do think one of the most sneaky good pitchers in the National League that I've been following. Like, just quietly super effective. You could argue maybe some of the Brave starters have been like that. You can argue maybe your Carlos Carrasco, maybe your Chris Bassett a little bit. But I think you Darvish has been better than those guys. And like I said, super, super consistent, at least six innings or seven innings in most of his starts all year. So that's awesome. Last thing to mention in this game is just the scoring, 4-1. The big hit coming from 
the man who must not be named, uh, the ground ball gremlin himself in the top of the fourth inning, which gave the Padres the lead 2-0. And then they also got a solo shot from Trent Grisham. Look, let's just talk about him really quickly. Um, I know he's been hitting better in terms of the very traditional stats, right? Batting average on base. Uh, currently, in the month of July, let me just pull that up really quickly. Um, he's been a lot better after basically becoming one of the worst players in baseball for the last month and a half. He has done a lot better lately in 14 games in July, heading up to uh, last night's game. Uh, 265, 345 on base. That's very good. That's very good. But 347 slugging. That's right. He only has one extra base hit uh, outside of one home run, which was from this night's game, right? So. He's not hitting anything all that hard, or at least into the gaps. He's still hitting everything on the ground. And yes, while it's nice that he's walked more than he's struck out uh, so far this month, bottom line is, no, don't get excited that potentially that he's starting to become a star like the way he was at the beginning of the year. He's not. He's still hitting way too many pitches on the on the ground that he shouldn't be. Pitches that are absolutely stuff that you should be carrying more. And like I said, the power just isn't really there. Appreciate the home run. Appreciate what you did the first uh, month of the season, but he's been just wholly ineffective uh, for most of the year, and he's made a lot of defensive errors. I know there was that tweet from uh, Giannis Antigatapoodle. I forgot his name on Twitter, but Padres fans, you probably know who I'm talking about. Put together that video edit of what it's been like watching him the first half. And yeah, it's pretty accurate, right? It kind of captures the whole thing pretty well. But anyway, guys... The last thing I want to talk about is Madison Bumgarner. And I know that this is a Padres pod. I get it. But I just really quickly want to talk about this. The other day, Victor Robles hit a home run off of him. The Nationals were down big, as they almost always are, right? But he hit a home run and did like a slight, like if you're watching my video, he kind of stared at it. And then he kept walking. He did like a little bit of an admiring of his shot. And Madison Bumgarner took exception. Because Madison Bumgarner's a prick, all right? He's always been that way. I've been saying this for years. Him and Joe Kelly are my least favorite players in baseball. Um, for somewhat different reasons, but for Madison Bumgarner, he's always been like this. Madison Bumgarner just hasn't gotten the same level of criticism for being a prick that others have because he was untouchable when he was on the Giants, right? That's why. And so he goes up there, oh, the guy's a clown, and, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, you're down by seven, and then you celebrate like it's his third homer of the year, and you're celebrating like your Babe Ruth. Like, I just don't don't get it, and, you know... I just, it didn't used to be like this. And that's the key thing I want to hone in on. The, it didn't used to be like this. Because I've talked about this a lot on this podcast. Not that everybody's listening to every episode. But this whole, I miss the old days from these old white players, right? Always complaining about certain things. Madison Bumgarner, I watched it. And then Victor Robles, very funnily, by the way, put on a red clown nose uh, for the game the next day making fun of the fact that he called him a clown. Although manager Dave Martinez, who is part Puerto Rican, I must admit, uh, although I currently am not claiming him the way he was like, yeah, that whole red nose thing, like I'm not with... Like, how are you going to, to the media, not defend your player? Because he... This wasn't even like a Tatis thing, guys. Where he really does, like, Tatis does the thing sometimes where he stands there, he flips the bat a little bit. This was like a really tame celebration not that it should ever matter at all let me be very clear yeah you can look like a clown 
when you're celebrating when you're down by eight. And Robles, if he hit the home run and then he starts doing a backflip, pumping his chest, yeah, you look like a clown. But he wasn't do that. Instead, he said, oh, man, I got that one all right. That was pretty good. And guess what? Let's stop acting like this is a sport where individual success doesn't matter. Maybe Victor Robles, I don't know, really cares about doing well so he can get more money and a contract and living situation for himself. Be hyped for your success. Be even more hyped when you're succeeding and the team is too, but you're allowed to be hyped to a certain degree for your success, right? Madison Mumgarn, of course, you know, making his money that he's making, uh, why people should celebrate, right? It is in a direct attack on a lot of people who are non-white. It is constantly like that. Talked about this with Freddie Freeman earlier in the year. A dude named Freddie is out here telling black people, Ron Lacuna Jr., for example. I mean, that is the reason. He's like, yeah, he, you know, he wore eye black and had chain on and his hair was long. His hair was long. And he liked to, to have his hair long, the eye black, and then wear the glasses over the A. Okay. Uh-huh. Where does a dude named Freddie getting off doing that? A white dude named Freddie. Where do you get off telling black people not to be black? Like, I just, that's just how I view it. And with Madison Bumgarner, he's always been like this. He was pissed off when Jose Fernandez hit a home run. He gets pissed off when our guy, Will Myers, hits home runs. I remember, I remember 2020. He looked, he evil eyes you. I'm like, hey, jerkwad, strike the guy out. I'm not saying it's easy, but get over yourself. The older I get, ladies and gentlemen, the older I get, the more you see, and this is across everything, but especially pitchers in baseball, the more you realize that men are the softest dudes in the world. Wait, that was wrong. Men are the softest people. Man, they are just so soft. And I'm soft too. Let me say that for the record. I'm soft. I'm sensitive. Don't be mean to me. All right. There's someone who's a little bit mean in the, the Apple podcast reviews. <laughs> Hurt my feelings a little bit, man. Yeah. You know, it just, it just hurts sometimes. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, just... And then the manager coming out for the Nationals, not sticking up for his guy. There's such a cultural problem in baseball that stems so deep and is so clearly anti-people of color and the way they like to celebrate. And in this case, Acuna... Just the way he dressed and the kind of hair he has and what he wears a little bit. It's insane. It's insane. And you just see their manager not even sticking up for them. And it's like, this is how this gets weeded out. Right? I'm not saying that it's impossible that all these guys, the unwritten rule breakers, that they've been, that it's possible. Yeah, maybe behind the scenes, they really were locker room problems. But baseball is the last sport that I trust to actually be mad at these type of players who are breaking unwritten rules and all that for the right reasons, right? I would trust the NBA more, the NFL more, but when it happens in those sports, I'm like, oh, wow, it really must be bad. But for this one, it could be something as simple as walking in tra- into spring training, you're a young rookie, and you're wearing your cap backwards, and they think that's a giant problem. It's a real thing. Ken Griffey Jr., everybody knows about it, who wasn't even that outgoing of a personality. Just He just liked going like this for the practice. This is what he did. It's a cultural problem in baseball. Madison Bumgarner is one of the highest perpetrators of that, that I personally can think of. And I'm glad that the Padres have had such a dominant record against him these past few years, and they dog him every time, and it's amazing what he does. Get over yourself. Unbelievable. 
that's your rant of the day, though, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully, uh, you enjoyed it. Um, in terms of the future of this podcast, guys, you're going to be talking with Millard Thomas, who my, my negative review was like, this guy all he does is feature crossovers. So that person probably not going to win you over with this. But Millard and I, we talked about like our top five lineups uh, for both the American League and the National League. Same thing goes for pitching. We talked a little bit about trade stuff. We talked about Juan Soto. We talked about all sorts of kind of like general baseball stuff. That's going to be a multi-parter that's going to be interspread throughout my own episodes. We're going to talk about the five biggest questions for the Padres heading into the second half of the season. We're going to be talking about uh, a whole lot, honestly. Like, There's so much to talk about with the pods right now. Obviously, any trades that go down will be keeping you updated. So that should be a lot of fun. And one idea that uh, Millard and I did come up with is to do like a little bit of a fantasy draft in honor of the fact that fantasy football season is almost upon us. Do a little fantasy draft of like, players since 2016 2017 around that time former Padres and former Diamondbacks like who can make the best team of four we've talked about this a lot right like Padres former Padres that have done well whether it be you know Anthony Rizzo might be excused from this because he's been a little bit uh, longer but we could talk about you know Eric Lauer and Cal Quantrill and uh, uh what's his face uh, Josh Naylor even and then Ty France and then Max Freed and these type of guys, right? And I just think it could be a lot of fun uh, to talk about former Padres from a long time ago and whatnot. Trey Turner, right? Like, what is the draft going to look like? I think it could be a lot of fun as just a fun little thing to do before the trade deadline. So that's something to look forward to. Really, really good stuff, guys. All around. But with that all being said, everybody, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. And until next time, stay safe, and of course, stay faithful. My prior faithful homies, take care. Let's go!